You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking about perfection and we're going to try and do so perfectly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. How many times when I was thinking about this word and how it has affected my own personal life, I found it interesting how many times I think we use this term. I'm a perfectionist as like a badge of honor. I'm a perfectionist (laughs) or as an excuse, even it's well, I just have to do it this way because I'm a perfectionist. I have heard that come out of my mouth and I hear that a lot. My standards are too high. I have to be a perfectionist, Th- things like that. And first of all, perfectionism has nothing to do with standards. <laughs> and, and I think defining your success as a human in such a very narrow-minded blinders on way of thinking is essentially pushing yourself into failure. And that's what I've noticed in my life is that I am constantly feeling like I'm getting it wrong, getting my life wrong, getting everything wrong because I'm not achieving this ideal of perfection in whatever that is. So big topic. We look, here we go again, big topics, but I think we wanted to start off with talking about what perfectionism is right. Yeah. Well, and if you haven't been listening to the podcast and we've mentioned Brene Brown a hundred million times, she teaches and studies a lot on perfectionism. And so she's given us a few things where she just says, Hey, perfectionism first and foremost is self-destructive and an addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of blame, judgment, and shame. So Mm. in essence, this idea that if I'm just good enough, if I do it well enough, then I'm not going to have pain. If I can be perfect enough and, oh my goodness, this one goes deep for a lot of people. And perfectionism for most people starts in childhood. No, it does. It's again, as I was thinking about this, I, that's exactly what came to my mind was I had this thought that if I was perfect, if I was perfect at something and I did something the right way, then I would avoid some sort of punishment or negative consequence, negative emotion. And if I didn't do something just right, then there was hell to pay or it just was never a positive experience because if it's not perfect, it's wrong. It's failure. And that starts with perfect grades, perfect grades. You're a perfect kid follows the rules perfectly. Perfect kid all the way up to made dinner every night. Perfect wife have sex whenever he wants. Perfect wife, happy kids in the grocery store. <laughs> perfect mom course meals, really neatly tight packed lunch boxes. Perfect mom. And unfortunately this message is reinforced. I remember one time being at a restaurant with all of our kids and they were really well behaved on this day. 
we had two different older people come up to us and go, oh my gosh, what a good little family you have. You must be such good parents. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am such a good mom. Look at my kids. (laughs) This is actually, so this was when we only had three kids. I thought I was a pretty good mom. Then we had our last two, two little boys. And now I go out in public and I'm like, don't judge me. I'm a really good mom. It's always that last one. Mine too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but we get reinforced with this. Like in school, you get the good grade. The teacher gives you that gold star when mm-hmm. everyone is being wild and you're sitting there quiet and your mom goes, oh my gosh, you're such a good girl. Look mm-hmm. at you be quiet. It reinforces this idea of, okay, I get rewarded and I am better as a person because I'm showing up in this perfect way. And it starts so young, not even joking. Yesterday, we, we heard from the teacher that our little one is hiding her folder, one of her folders and hasn't shown up with her folder. And so I came out of my office and I, Hey, how you doing? And was talking with her a little bit and she didn't get to my recess because she didn't bring her folder. So I was talking to her about that. She brought me her folder. I said, let's see what's so important about this folder. And I open it up and there's a calendar and stars on all the days that she was perfect. And then the days that not, it's written in writing, in you know, bold writing, what she did wrong. And she hid it because she felt ashamed and didn't want us to see that. Mm-hmm. And I, so I pointed out and I said, oh, I'm noticing you have stars here, but not here. She goes, yeah, that's when I was bad. And I'm gonna start crying. I put that little folder down and I said, you look at me, my eyeballs. <laughs> I said, you are never bad nothing you ever did this, whatever this is, you are not bad because of that. And it just broke my heart. And it happens so early that we're giving them, just like you're saying, these messages of you do good, you get a star and you get to play and have lunch with all the other people. You don't get to play and you sit by yourself. It infuriates me watching that little girl's face say I'm bad. And this is how it happens. Yeah. And I guarantee every perfectionist who is listening to us talk right now is going, okay, yeah, but you you have to have goals and you have to have healthy achievement and you have to have this. And what we're talking about is so different from that. When we get this perfectionist mindset, we get to this place of thinking that it's either I have to be perfect and strive my absolute 110% or I'm lazy and I'm nothing. And it gets really extreme. And the further we go with this perfectionism, the more extreme it gets. And the reality is we can have healthy striving and healthy goals and healthy growth and achievement while still rejecting perfectionism. So I love how you said in the beginning that you used to think of, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. And that was like this badge of honor. I totally used to do that. And now if someone says, Ooh, are you in a perfectionist? That's an insult because I have learned and I see like how damaging and destructive and really it's a cognitive distortion of this very black and white mm-hmm. thinking. And then all the moral issues and what it says about us and the world and who we are and how damaging that is that plays into it. So it's really complex. It is really complex because a lot of it too, is that if we 
if we achieve this goal or do this thing and we feel accomplished and maybe finally we're accepted. And again, that can happen and gets reiterated through our whole life through teams and not making the team or having this ability or making that club. And it's just, so I think when we are making anything in this world, we moralize things that were never intended to be moralized. And we make that be something about our worth and value. That's when it gets exhausting because the truth is nothing we do or don't do lets you be enough. It is a choice to feel enough. You already are. And you just need to think that nothing outside of you that you do or accomplish or whatever makes you more worthy or accepted. And Brene Brown also talks about how perfectionism is an unattainable. So yeah. we have our, our worth that we've attached to it. But if it, that's an unattainable goal, because we are humans and we're all imperfect and we're all still learning and growing, that if we can never reach that goal, that perpetuates the idea and the thought that forever that you will never be enough. And so you'll keep striving for something that you will never be able to reach. And what, like, what a sad, depressing way to live, which makes sense that having traits of perfectionism is linked to mental health issues, anxiety, OCD, stress, depression, self-esteem issues. All of those are connected Mm -hmm. from perfectionism. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting to ask, because again, these are all coming from thoughts that we've picked up along the way, thoughts that have been offered to us that we're now believing about ourselves and what we do. So I think it would be really cool to ask yourself, what does it mean if I'm not perfect? Like that would be really good to journal. Let's look at what lies your brain is offering you about that. See what comes up. Yeah. If I make a mistake, then what? If somebody sees me not put together, mm-hmm. then what? My sweet grandmother and great aunt, like heaven forbid, they go anywhere in public without their hair perfect, all the jewelry, all the things. They had to be very put together several times. Oh, no, really not so much my grandmother, but my, my aunt it was never would she ever go out if someone she didn't have her face on. I got to put my face on. Yeah. It's, I I don't know. Ask your, ask yourself that question, journal it. I think that would be interesting to see what comes up. What does it mean if I'm not perfect? Yeah. And that, that leads into perfectionism sets us up to feel shame, judgment, and blame, which then leads to more shame, more judgment and blame. And so perfectionism, especially for women, but men too, but it's really seated in shame. Now Mm -hmm. in the work we do, you and I are focused on betrayal trauma and we work with sexual addiction a lot. Shame is a word we hear a lot. And it's really easy to look at those who are struggling with sexual acting out and we go, oh yeah, they have a lot of shame. And guess what? I can't tell you how many partners, yeah, who have so much shame, but it's not the way that we think shame will look. It's not that shame of, oh, hang my head. I'm not a very good person. No, it's the shame of we are hiding behind this mask. We are hiding behind having to have things look a certain way or be a certain way or achieve things a certain way because underneath, if they see anything else, then what? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, betrayal brings out 
all of that vulnerability, all of those imperfections, all of those weaknesses and faults and flaws, and we crumble. And so part of healing is learning to love yourself again and seeing your worth and value. Totally. And okay. So Brene Brown also talks about how perfectionism is addictive. So I don't know if you heard that when I said in the beginning where I read from Brene Brown, where perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system. So I don't know if those of you who are used to hearing addiction, like your ears perked up of what, like perfectionism is addictive, but this, I think is such an important piece. And okay. So I'm going to read for a sec, what she said, and then give you a little example, but she says, perfectionism is addictive because when we invariably do experience invariably, meaning like it's going to happen when we invariably experience shame, judgment, and blame, we often believe it's because we weren't perfect enough rather than questioning the faulty logic of perfectionism. We become even more entrenched in our quest to look and do everything just right. So I have this friend, she's not a client, but we talk about a lot of mental health type stuff. And her perfectionism is so extreme today. It was not that extreme when I met her, but the longer that she has been feeding into this perfectionism of, I just need to do this to be enough, or I just need to do this or for her, God will love me if I do this, or he won't love me if I do this. And the more that she's fed it and then anything goes wrong in her life, it becomes proof to her that see, you weren't good enough. You weren't perfect enough. So then she strives even harder. And then Mm -hmm. invariably when something goes wrong, there it is. See, if, if I would have just done this, you know what, it's because I didn't listen to church music on Sunday. That's why this bad thing happened. And so if I just be more perfect next Sunday, then next week might go better that type of thinking. So it does become addictive where it just keeps going deeper and deeper into the hole. And if I'm going to be totally honest, there's a part of me that's just waiting that at some point, because I've tried to very kindly say, have you considered this? Or it's interesting. I've seen this sometimes, but she's not in a place to hear it. And so there's a part of me that I just know at some point she will break. She will break because you can't keep going down this rabbit hole and maintain your sense of self or any level of emotional well-being. It's really painful to watch. And I imagine it's incredibly painful to live. Sure. I can, I've experienced it where it's that if I can just get here, then I'll feel whatever, you know, emotion we're, we're looking for. If I can just have this, which I would do, let's just break it down on a real life level. If my house can stay clean <laughs> for five freaking minutes, then I'll be happy people rather than the truth, I can be happy now because I am in charge of that emotion by my own thoughts. So it's, we got to stop wanting and waiting to feel good by this. If this happens, if that happens, if I do this perfectly, if I can figure this out, my house looks a certain way, my remodel, whatever that is. But I noticed that's kind of just how I would do it when I was raising kids feeling like, I was a good housewife, a good mom, good, whatever. If my house was clean, laundry was done, no laundry piles. What are we talking about? Laundry piles meant not good enough. You're lazy. That's what my brain told me. Well, and, and that's such a good piece is like, 
the meaning you're making of different things. Yes. What is the meaning you're making and is the meaning you're making healthy, helpful, beneficial? Mm -hmm. It's not just getting laundry done. It was a whole new level. It was laundry done a plus, which meant everything was folded in perfect little packets. Talking extreme here. So I'll just tell you one of the things that I did to help unravel some of this and you can take it or leave it. It was absolutely this idea of having to be a plus in, in everything. So find something in your life where you feel like you have to be an A plus and allow yourself to be C without shame. Because really what it comes down to, it's just my thought. My thought thinks that this action is A. So for me, that meant letting the laundry that I just washed sit in the laundry basket for a day. That was C to me and not having the shame attached. And then really seeing all the thoughts that are coming up when I look at that laundry basket sitting there and I noticed, and my awareness was way more, oh my gosh, I'm noticing all the thoughts that my brain's offering me right now. And so that was a really good exercise for me and helping me see what I'm making a, 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 allowing myself to be C without shame. One of mine for a long time was around work. Yes, I totally had it in motherhood, but you already covered that. So <laughs> with work, I wanted to be the perfect employee. I wanted to know people's needs before they had needs. I wanted to never do anything wrong. So people would always be ready to say, Alana, you're so good. Alana, you did this for us. Alana, I always felt this way when I came into the office, Alana, my schedule better than anyone else's can't do it as good. Because for me, that was constantly feeding my self-worth and saying something that I was enough, but invariably there were times that things happened or I made a mistake and the shame and the guilt and not even like wanting to show myself my face after that the perfectionism shows in multiple areas of your life. And, and for everyone who's listening, it, it will show up for you differently. You may be listening to this and you're like, my house is trashed, not a big deal. But then maybe you're trying so hard to be the perfect daughter, trying to be the perfect friend to the point that you're losing yourself because you can't be the perfect friend because you also have your life and your kid's life. And so really low down and look at, is this showing up for me and where and how? Right. It's a beautiful awareness. So then that leads to what perfectionism is not with what you were talking about with work. It's not striving for excellence. It's not about healthy achievement and growth. It's yeah. It's not this self-protection that we think from negative emotion. Yeah. And so it's a defensive move versus an offensive. So you think of offensive Offensive is I have these goals I want to achieve. I'm making strides in my life to reach things. That's offensive. But for perfectionism is defensive of like, we've got our shield out protecting us from some kind of unknown pain or known pain. Mm -hmm. And so you can, by all means, go for your goals. You can strive for things, but perfectionism doesn't allow room for mistakes and mm -hmm. many mistakes and deep mistakes. It says, nope, nope, nope. We're not doing that. Yeah. So something that just came to mind too is 
talking about betrayal and how betrayal trauma comes into this. I know for me that perfectionist thinking shifted over to my body more than it had ever before. There's always some of that going on. And I had some stuff happening since high school, or whatever, but it escalated exponentially when I realized the images that my spouse was looking at my ex at the husband at the time was looking at, and then comparing myself to what my brain said is a perfect body. And now that perfectionism mindset, OCD stuff shifted over to that. And that was that added a whole, and you've heard me talk about this before that added a whole new level of difficulty to my experience with perfectionism. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because yeah, maybe if I have the perfect body or maybe if I act at the, the right way in the bedroom, or if I mm-hmm. do enough in the bedroom, those type of thinking, and really it's a result of the betrayal of the, am I enough? the comparison that comes from that. And let's be honest, we live in a super hyper-sexualized world anyway, and we are constantly all around us having this message sent about what bodies should look like. So it's hard to live in this world today to not get pulled into some degree into the body image stuff. For sure. And I'm just going to do a plug for the book, More Than a Body. Your body is an instrument, not an ornament. Look it up, read it. There's my plug. Yep. All right. I'm full of challenges today. Here's another one that comes to mind that I've offered a couple of my clients and they have not liked this, but (laughs) I think it's great because it really, again, I love taking on these challenges, me personally, because I really do want to unravel some of this stuff. So if you do not want to unravel this and you are quite, (laughs) you like your experience of being a perfectionist, then have at it. I did not. So one other thing that, uh, a message that I picked up was that there's a right and a wrong way to load a dishwasher. And I found myself with raising my little people that I would say to them, that's the wrong way (laughs) you're loading the dishwasher. That's what I heard. Gave myself the challenge to load the dishwasher, the quote wrong way. The truth is there is no right or wrong way to load a dang dishwasher. We don't need to moralize loading the dishwasher, but my brain sure did for decades. And then I was passing that on to my kids. So I, that was one thing that I did also just allow myself to unload it wrong. And so what that looked like, uh, I expose way too much of myself on these things. As I started putting the cups on the bottom, like it still makes me have a little bit of anxiety, but just totally wrong. Or those measuring cups, put the measuring cups upside down or right side up. And then you open it up and it's full of water. Here's the thing. I know Alana's giving, I wish you could see this. Alana's face just went scrunched. I crunched her face. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's what I, I noticed is that when I pulled out the dishwasher and the water is filled up with the measuring in the measuring cups, all I had to do was empty it out into the sink. Like the, I had to walk myself through the process because my brain was like making it mean something about my worth and value. And I had to follow that through and say, okay, what happens if oh, I just have to empty the water out in the sink and then put it away. Not a big deal. Now, do I do that every time? Well, no, but if my kid does it, I'm not going the dishwasher wrong or I don't have all those negative emotions. It's just not a big deal because I'm not moralizing it. 
Well, and you bring up an interesting point or an important point is I know a lot of our listeners are parents and we pass this on to our children. And I will tell you when I really started to learn this concept and I learned about the consequences of perfectionism and the consequences of holding kids to standards that really aren't obtainable or that aren't fair for children, sometimes holding children to a standard that I hold myself to, and they're mm-hmm. just little people and learning the long-term consequences of that for them, it completely shifted my parenting. Mm-hmm. One of the most important pieces for overcoming perfectionism comes around this idea of allowing ourselves to make mistakes and having self-compassion through that and letting that be a normal human experience. And with my kids, I really had to work on not only allowing for mistakes, but letting mistakes be a positive experience too. And we used to have this almost potty time video. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) My first little boy was obsessed with it. He would watch it all day long. And I was like, totally fine. Probably like total propaganda in his head. And I'm But I will brainwash him to potty train. I'm not against that. But in there, there is this little song and it goes, accidents happen. That's what they say. Accidents happen any night or day. And we, to this day, will sing that in our house whenever accidents happen. And we laugh about it because it's ridiculous. But all of my kids were raised on almost potty time during potty training because I wanted my kids to see accidents and mistakes as something that can be laughed at. It can be silly. It can be like, okay, what do we learn from this? Or what do we want to do differently? Or whoops, okay. Instead of this, what is wrong with you? Because that message, when you make a mistake, something is wrong with you. How many of us got that message growing up? And like, how many times did I mistakenly do that to my kids? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. And we've said this so many times, right? This work that you're doing is not just for you. Mm-hmm. This work is generational before you and after. And, and I loved the, I love that thought. I really do love that. It is really powerful to show up for yourself. And I think this is how we show up for ourselves, giving ourselves permission to fail giving ourselves permission to let our children see us make a mistake and not be perfect. I tried so hard. I would lie, (laughs) my poor daughters, uh, I would lie to them and say, I got all A's. I got all A's in high school. What's wrong with you that you don't have A's? I did it. Thinking my thought behind that was I want to push them and motivate them and help them to see that it's possible because it is, they're very smart and they can do it. And so I was, that was my thought behind it, but good hell, that did not help no, at the, all. That gave a total opposite message. Yeah. The message that gets sent with that is something's wrong with you because you can't get A's like me. That is, it's so horrible. I would, sorry, girls. I've told them sorry so many, for so many things, but yeah, it's that idea that I need to show them how to live and it has to be perfectly done because if I, because I don't want them to make mistakes. Well, why? And again, it's that negative emotion. 
We don't want them to feel negative emotion. We don't want to feel negative emotion about their negative emotion. We're really just trying to avoid this negative part of life. That's unavoidable. In every goal we have, in every decision we make, in every choice, everything comes with 50-50. I love that you said that you have told them sorry for so many things. Because right (laughs) there, that is showing your kids, you don't have to be perfect. You're saying, okay, look, whoops, here I did it. I made a mistake. Because when you allow yourself to be imperfect, you give them permission to not have to be perfect. And what a beautiful gift to give a child or a teenager or Mm -hmm. your adult child. What a beautiful gift to give people in this world, the permission to not have to be perfect, to allow them to be human. Can I have a do-over? Okay. So here are some steps that we can take to move past this perfectionism. First, practice allowing yourself to make mistakes. And that kind of goes in line with what I was saying earlier that be okay with C, what your brain says is C, because let's just like, it isn't right. But my brain was saying, this is C laundering the basket for a day. We need to be okay with that. Being okay, allowing yourself to make mistakes, allowing yourself to mess up and not feeling the shame around that. You start there working on self-compassion. How many times have we used this phrase? I think we did a podcast over this, didn't we? Yeah, in, in our first season, somewhere near the beginning, because yeah. passion is such an, honestly, self-compassion is one of the most important things for just healthy living, but especially healing from betrayal trauma and healing from perfectionism. So essential. Yeah. I find myself repeating that phrase a lot, that using that term a lot. So maybe y'all need to go back and listen to that episode, but yeah, self-compassion. And then what is your meaning of perfection? What is your brain defining perfection in your life? And then trying to shift your focus on new thoughts. If this is what my brain, like, like I was telling you the example of the laundry basket. Okay. The laundry basket is sitting there with clothes in it. And as I allowed that to be there, I noticed all the thoughts that were coming up that my brain was offering me of what was wrong. And I got curious about those and I could see what thoughts my brain was offering me. So it's really, again, very empowering to see this and recognize it, that awareness. And then we talk about the acceptance part, right? Accepting without judging. And yep, this is what my brain's offering me. Okay. Now, what do I want to believe about the laundry? And your brain has to do what you tell it to do. Remember that your brain has to do what you tell it to do. And it's going to take practice to rewire those neural pathways. I'm still practicing on unraveling a lot of these very thick neural pathways, but I'm empowered and I'm trying and I'm practicing and that's enough. I love that example. And it makes me think of, okay, so here's a vulnerable story. Amy and I have been doing this podcast for a while. I have been editing the podcast as needed. And for whatever reason, there was this one episode that, okay, I'm going there. This is me leaning in. Like, I don't have to. I'm going to pee my pants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Amy is listening to it and, and I released it and Amy is listening <laughs> and she is, she's, oh my gosh, Alana, you totally just belched on the <laughs> podcast. And I was like, I'm like, so all of a sudden, like pure panic of, but 
just as quickly as that pure panic, I just like started busting up laughing because I even remember recording it. I had been chugging some sparkling water, totally thought that I had hit stop and just let out the loudest, longest belch. But here I release that to the world. My brain instantly is this battle with, okay, Lana, you can make mistakes. It's okay. But then the other side going, okay, they're not going to see you as a professional anymore. They're not going to see you as somebody who is in this position to give advice because you belt. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. Like I don't burp very often, but when I can have a good burp, I really like it. And I, I was dang proud of that one. <laughs> good one. I was actually quite proud too. That was really nice, but oh my gosh, I could not stop laughing. Oh, you're awesome for sharing that one. But yes, right? Like all these little things that we do. And then it's, oh my gosh, what the brain does with that is so crazy. And the battle was real because I've learned so much <laughs> about perfectionism, right? I've learned that I have to give myself room to make mistakes. And life is so much easier when I can laugh at my mistakes versus beat myself up over them. But then that fear of yeah. what will they think or what will people say or will this change how they think about me? That battle was real. And if I would have done that 10 years ago, I would have been like, I'm never doing the podcast again. Like it would have been total shutdown mode because that was like my go-to. Yeah. Like, you can't be perfect. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And so even with all of this work I've been doing on this for so long, the battle is still real. So please, as you're Please don't try to be perfect and not having perfectionism that allow yourself room to have this battle and to challenge some of these thoughts. Totally. It's, it is hard work. I, I say this to my clients a lot. You who are listening and learning and doing one-on-ones and doing groups and gaining knowledge and trying to figure stuff out, you are doing what 90% of the population are not doing. You are doing incredible work. And it's not easy and it's not intended to be easy. Otherwise, the other 90% would be doing it. So expecting this journey to go faster or be easier, why is it so hard? Rather believe, like thinking that thought that, yeah, this is hard and I'm doing it. Just the group that we lead, you end every week with you've done hard, you're doing hard and you can do hard things. And I, I just know Alana and I are just so appreciative and proud of all of our clients who are doing the work yes, and embracing that 50% because it is not easy. So give space for that 50% as you're trying to learn new and do new and unravel some of this very deep rooted perfectionism that we've got going along with a culture that feeds perfectionism, yes. right? We live in a culture that's going to feed all of it. So it feels very difficult to go up against not only your brain, but a culture and religious culture and all of this. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. And one thing that will make it a tiny bit easier is please limit or cut out your negative influence. Mm. Aware of these things that are sending messages like social media, TV, movies, books, um, podcasts, things that reinforce this need to be perfect. Even friends. I have had friends who constantly were challenging me to show up perfectly of, Oh, you're going to wear that. This actually might 
look a little bit better. And, but then in my head of, oh, then I'm not obviously good enough this way. And then next time around them, oh, I'm going out with this person. I have to look even better. So find those things that are sending the messages and reduce how much you're exposed to that. And wow, what a difference it makes in being able to allow yourself to show up authentically. Yeah. I love that. If not, this is what keeps us stuck. We're so afraid of not being able to do something perfectly that we don't move forward. And that's one of the reasons why we do this is to help give you tools and resources and new thoughts to move forward in your healing. And when we've got these very deep rooted perfectionist thoughts, we're going to stay stuck. If we're afraid to take action on something because we're afraid that it's not going to be viewed as done perfectly, we stop acting. So in this regard, perfectionism is really a delay tactic. And I know everyone listening is get this over with. If, if I had you sitting here in my office, I would pull, pull out a prescription pad, a fake one. I'm not a doctor. I would pull out a fake prescription pad and I would write you a prescription that says you have permission to not be perfect. And I would tell you to put this up on your mirror and look at this every single day and look in the mirror and say, you have permission to not be perfect because you don't need my permission, but Amy and I are giving it to you now. Freedom, movement forward, growth, all of those things happen on the other side of perfectionism. I know this episode may have been a little hard if you're a perfectionist and just Amy and I are recovering perfectionists. We feel it. We love you. We're with you in it. And just thank you for being part of our conversation this week. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in today. Don't forget to leave a written review on Apple Podcast to get your special gift from Alana and I. You have a couple weeks left. We want to thank you for being amazing listeners and we have loved your feedback and love it when you send in questions and topic ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Keep on choosing recovery, choosing to heal and choosing you. Take care, everybody.